Thank you for streaming the audio messages of the Fountain Church. We're going to be in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, okay? And I want to I ask you guys a question. Have your thoughts and feelings ever been going one direction and all of a sudden, whoo, it's went the whole different direction? You know, Laura and I, it was like the first, I think, what, six months that we were dating, or maybe four months, somewhere in there. And, I mean, I was juiced. She was living in San Leandro. I was still living in Fairfield. And so the commute after, you know, during traffic to take her out, all that good stuff, it was, it was brutal, but it was so worth it. And I remember it was one, you know, I don't know, it was our fourth, fifth, sixth date, somewhere in there. I was just so excited, you know. You know, when you're, when you're just, like, first dating somebody, the sparks are flying. And you're just, you're ready to go. And so I'm planning, I'm dreaming. I don't know about you, but I don't go to a restaurant without yelping at first. Like, I ain't paying 30 bucks for bad food, right? It's got to be good, good food. And so I park in her parents' driveway. I'm looking, I'm dreaming, I'm excited. And I, and I, I thought the car was in park. Did I give away the secret of the story? And so I'm excited, I'm juiced, and then all of a sudden I hear this bump. And you know that bump, you know, where it's like it could only be an accident. There's no like, oh, was it a bug? Like, was it a, a cat? No, it was, it was an accident. And so I put my head up, and I not only hit their garage door, but I hit their newly installed two-week-old uh, garage door. And so my thoughts were, I mean, I was so positive, so encouraging. I'm going to be like an awesome boyfriend. And then my thoughts went, wow, I'm horrible. Um, this isn't going to work out. This money that I was going on a date, we should go to McDonald's because I'm going to have to replace a door. <laughs> and so I go inside and, hey, guys, hey, babe. Talk, hey, parents. And are, are you okay? You know, and <laughs> I didn't even answer. I said, yeah, whatever. And then, thankfully, I mean, when I told them, they're super gracious, and they're like, oh, you know, it's, it's fine, we'll fix it again, and, you know, it's, it's, it's great. And I found out two years later after we got married, yeah, we were really ticked that day, but we knew that you were a good guy, so we were like, yeah, whatever, we'll, we'll get over it. So, there's an example where your thoughts could be going one direction, it's like, oh my gosh, where are they going now? Maybe this has happened to you before, where you're at your, like, favorite restaurant, you're eating good, Maybe you're at an Italian restaurant. Come on, Italian food. Let's go. And have some pot. You have some pasta in your mouth. And what is that in my? Oh, that's not pasta. That's something else. And it's like you try to go back because nothing's like wrong, right? I mean, physically you can eat it, but mentally your thoughts are like, oh my gosh, I can't trust that. Actually, I went to um, I've told this before. I'm gonna tell you again. Where I I went to this ice cream place. I won't tell you what it is, but it was like my one it was amazing until I dug in and there wasn't just one hair but there was there was like a cord of like 20 I'm like are they trying to tell me something like am I a bad customer <laughs> like it was bad so physically I guess I could have ate that right but mentally through counseling I went back there again a year later because it was so good I, I had to go back at some point we all know what it's like when our thoughts go haywire and Scientists will tell us that we actually can think up to 30,000 thoughts a day. That's a lot of thoughts. And when they can take a turn like that, it can be a little crazy, right, in our heads. And I will uh, you, if, but if you know that our actions actually reinforce our thoughts. So there's this loop 
where we'll think something, we'll believe it, and we'll act because of that thought. And because our actions, we've done it that way, then it reinforces that thought. Let me give you an example. So if you believe that, man, I'm just not good with people, I'm just socially awkward, I just don't know how to talk to people, you go to a friend's birthday party, what do you do? You don't leave the walls, right? Like, it's like, I'm going to touch this wall. She's married to an introvert, as you can tell. Um, and so you're touching the wall, and it's like, I'm not going in the middle. It's scary in the middle. You pull up a chair. You're not talking to anybody. And then you leave that party going, man, nobody likes me. Nobody wanted to talk to me. Like, oh, I don't, I just, I don't like people. Maybe you're someone who had this thought, man, I'm just, I'm never going to thrive financially. I'm just going to be broke my whole life, and I'm just never going to, I'm just never going to get to that next level. So what do you do? You get a little bit of money. Get some new shoes. You take out your girl, right? And you're like, oh, I'm broke again. How'd that happen? And so we have a thought and belief that we believe, and then that reinforces our actions, then our actions reinforce our thought. It's just this loop. And a lot of us, we just get trapped in our minds. It's this constant loop that we just don't know how to fix. And I think we've all dealt with anxiety and stress and stuff in our heads for a long time. But it just seems like there's so much happening in our society right now. Our minds are just going crazy and firing in all different directions. And this is why this is so important. That our lives will never rise above our thoughts. Say that again. Our lives will never rise, our, our thoughts being that, man, you could want to do great in your family. You, you could want to do great with Jesus. You could want to do great in all these areas. But if your thoughts are limiting you, you'll never be able to rise above it. If you believe, man, I'm just, I'm going to work at this job and, and no one's ever going to see me. No one's ever going to promote me. I'm just going to keep working, put my head down. You know what's going to happen? You're just going to have your head down. You're going to work and you'll work and it's just... You're not going to go anywhere. Why? Because there's this thought, there's this belief that I can't go anywhere. And a lot of times in the church, we can struggle with guilt and shame because we know the right answers. Like, God, God loves me. He's for me. But yet when I walk out of church every Sunday, it sure feels like I'm alone. It sure feels like I have to do this on my own. It sure feels like I have to take care of myself in all these ways. God, look, where are you? And again, it's, it's our thoughts. It just, it just keeps us down. So we've got to, if we're really going to take it to the next level, and if we're going to allow the Lord to take us to the next level, we have to examine our thoughts. Proverbs tells it so well. That for as he or she thinks in their heart, so they are. So like it or not, your life is a reflection of your thoughts. Of your beliefs. It, it gets better. Okay, just hang on with me right now. But your life is a reflection of your thoughts and your beliefs. Your thoughts are things that are more conscious. That, that yeah, Okay, I had this thought. But your beliefs are deep-seated. They're more visceral. Where maybe you're not thinking them presently, but when that one person makes that dick, oh, I can't believe. Can't, like, you're thinking, I can't believe. That they would say that about me. But inside you're thinking, like, I'm, I'm, I'm worthless. I'm horrible. And you tell, and you tell everybody, oh, that, isn't, that doesn't hurt me. But on the inside you're like, oh, that's painful. That rejection is just killing me right now. Our lives are a reflection of our thoughts and our beliefs. And 
what I want us to do just introspectively right now, I want us to think about what we've been thinking about. The last seven days, has it been more positive or been more negative? Has it been, man, God has been blessing me so much. I can't believe that I get to live and to breathe. I just can't believe that God has put me in this area. Or has it been like, man, life just stinks. Oh, I just, now, I'm not saying we can't have a bad day. But where have you been staying? Where have you been living? Because these the, one thought at a time leads to a week. A week leads to a season. And now we're like, gosh, I've been in this place for so long, and I don't know how to get out. Have our thoughts been more positive or negative? Have they been more grateful or complaining? Have our thoughts been more worldly or eternal? Eternal saying, God, how can I take my time, my talents, my treasure? How can I use everything that you've given me to move your kingdom forward? Or is it, God, why aren't you advancing my agenda? Like, why am I in this house still? Why am I at this job? Why am I, why can't you, don't get me wrong, don't get it twisted. God knows your desires. He wants to do that. But Jesus intentionally prayed, he told us to pray, his will be done on earth as in heaven. And it's in that place, then we can ask, pray for our daily bread. Because he knew that if we didn't pray his will first, we'd always pray our agenda. And it's in his will that, man, that's where life is best lived. And so we have to take a thinking audit. And here's where, here's where I'm going for today. In Isaiah, you will keep him in perfect peace, all who trust in you, all whose thoughts are fixed on you. I know you, but when I read this, all I see is this. You will keep me in perfect peace. That's all I see. Like, God, where's my peace? Where is it? God's like, you're missing it. I need you to trust in me because my thoughts are fixed on you. God wants to take our thoughts and have it be so fixed on him that God wants to renew our minds. He wants to renew these beliefs that we have, that we thought, that were us, that we couldn't separate from ourselves. God wants to take our thoughts and use it for his good, his glory, and not have us be enslaved to it. So we're going to do some work today, but it's going to be worth it, okay? So 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 10 says this. Paul says, For though we live in the world... We do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not weapons of the world. On the contrary, we have divine power to demolish strongholds. And so we're going to talk about this divine power in a second, but I want, I want us to remember demolish strongholds. If you notice, this isn't just like, oh, think positive, th don't think negative. No, Paul's like, we're in a battle. This is real. What's happening here, it actually matters. And when I was praying for us, I was praying for myself, I was just so concerned. Because I think a lot of the thoughts that we have that are so unhealthy, they've been ramping up in our minds for so long, they feel normal. So we can't even differentiate when we hear these phrases like, you're never going to do this. You stink. You're, you're, you're ugly. You're horrible. All these thoughts, we're just like, okay, we just accept I just feel like the Lord just wants to wake us up this morning. Where it's like, listen, you're in a battle. But we're not going to wage war as the world does. I've given you divine power. Now, why do we need divine power? Because we're not just against negativity and thinking positively, you know, floating with the clouds. I'm, I'm not like that. Don't worry about that, all right? But God's given us divine power to demolish stronghold. What's a stronghold? In war times, 
A stronghold was a fortified place like this where it would bring safety. It would bring security. Like, listen, if you're going to get in this stronghold, you're going to need more than just a person, a weapon. You're going to need a team. You're going to need a strategy. You're going to need power to get through the stronghold. So that's the positive version. But Paul is using a stronghold in a negative way. That we've developed strongholds in our lives, not for Jesus, but to keep Jesus out. And so the things that we've actually believed about him, that we've believed about ourselves, that we've believed about people, it's actually become a stronghold to protect ourselves where we've actually um, taken Jesus out of the equation. It doesn't mean that you're not saved. It doesn't mean that you've lost your salvation. It just means that, man, positionally, we are his sons, we are his daughters. If you've confessed him as your, as your Lord and Savior, but it does mean that Jesus doesn't have access to your heart because you're not giving him that permission. And, and, and just to make this more palatable, man, we're all broken in this room. If you're like, oh, I'm good, that's your problem, all right? Bad news, you are broken. Good news, there is a solution. His name is Jesus. And so don't be like, oh, God, I'm horrible. You, you know, you, you are a little horrible, but there's a solution, okay? And so we have to, we have to get real. We have to be honest where we're at. And so there's different areas where our thoughts, none of us have 100% perfect thoughts. So what I'm saying is lean into those areas that have seemed so normal but are really unhealthy, that are really demonic, that are untrue, that is just the enemy's lies. The scripture calls Satan the father of lies. And this is how lies work. Lies work as where the enemy will take something real. He'll take some, a real desire in your heart, but then he'll twist it. He'll pervert it. He'll tell you that you need it. You, you have to have it, but you have to have it this way. And so that's where, I'll give you an example. So God has put desires in us for relationship. So some of us, we feel this lie where it's like, I don't, I don't do relationships. I don't, I don't do things with people. I don't need another person to be part of my life. What the enemy did was, is he took that desire where when you got hurt, he twisted it and he presented the truth. Hey, you don't need people. They hurt you. They hurt. That's all they do. And then, and then what happens is that you believe it. Then it's like, oh, man, you're so alone. Why'd you do that? That was pretty dumb. And so what the enemy does is, it's not like, hey, this is a lie. Watch out. No. It's subtle. It's small. But yet it's so scary when we believe a lie of the enemy because it, it builds a stronghold. And, it, again, it's not these big things. It's these little lies that are little bricks that over time it just builds a fence between us and Jesus. And sometimes it's not even just the enemy but our minds need to be renewed. We need the truth of the Lord to be able to speak in those lies and to really bring truth. And so the enemy wants us to build a stronghold against God so that we can actually have our own place. And God has way better plans than that. It reminds me when I was um, 19 or 20 and I was serving in a youth ministry. And I don't know what they were thinking having me volunteer as a 19-year-old. Um, Man, that, that was pretty awesome. But I, I was serving, and I remember this, this one lady, uh, her name was uh, Don Marie. And Don Marie, was, she was like a mother-like figure to me. She just encouraged me. She just was such a rock for me. Here's the thing. She loved me, but she had no problem calling me out on my stuff. 
no problem. I'm like, uh-uh, Chris, you don't do that here. I'm like, okay, all right, my bad. This is one, this is one day, though, where I was talking with somebody, and I didn't know at the time I had a sarcasm problem. I was just so sarcastic, and um, I was trying to be funny. If you know me, I'm not funny, and so I don't know why I was trying to do that. And so this, uh, this one time, she, uh, she grabbed me, and, like, it wasn't just, like, a, like a, a grab. Like, she was dragging me. I was like, I was like oh, gosh, I'm going to die. <laughs> like, I'm going to die. At least I'm going to die at church. That's not probably the worst thing to happen. But she drags me, and she puts me into an office. And it wasn't even her office. She didn't even have an office. She just put me in an office. I'm thinking, like, okay, I'm, I'm going to die. Like, this is it. She says, sit down. I'm like, okay. I'm, I'm just I'm bracing myself, right? Like, I'm ready for this. She said, Chris, I want you to answer this question for me. God has put such a high calling over your life. You've made so many steps this last year. You're praying, you're worshiping, you're serving people, all your hearts. You're amazing with students. Why have you succumbed to a negativity that's holding you back? And she said this all within 10 seconds. So I'm just floored. I'm like, oh, gosh. Like, and I... I didn't have a word. I just started crying. I was just like, I don't know. I don't know why I'm acting this way. I'm just, I'm feeling horrible. And she didn't know this, but this led me on a journey to do some, it was the first time in my life where I actually challenged my thinking. Like, is this actually the real way to think? Is this even right? Is this even true? And so when she challenged me, I realized that, wow, my sarcasm was coming from a place of negativity. My negativity was coming from a place of, of identity. I didn't like myself. And my identity was coming from a place of value because my value wasn't in how Jesus saw me. So on the outside, oh, yeah, this guy's sarcastic. You know, he thinks it's funny. He's really not. Deep down, broken, insecure. I don't know how to relate to people. So let me, let me just try how to, you know, make this work out. And that's what happens is that when we don't challenge our thoughts, and when we don't bring under the lordship of Jesus, our thoughts start to control us instead of our thoughts being under the dominion and power and the lordship of Jesus. And so we've got to challenge our thoughts. And I love it what Paul says in verse 5. We demolish arguments and every pretension, pretension, I'm sorry, that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive Every thought to make it obedient to Christ. That word captive, it literally means that you are taking a spear to that thing. You're saying, get down. You're not going anywhere. God doesn't want us just to be, oh, stop being negative. No, that lie, you got to be militant with it. There's got to be a feistiness to your faith. You, there's something in you that needs, needs to rise up. I'm not going to live that way anymore. I'm, I'm not going to think that way anymore. And again, it's not that you're trying to muster your own strength. I just, oh, I'm going to do this. No, you're walking in the authority that Jesus has given to you. And if you remember, man, we don't wage war as the world does. He's given us divine power. What is that divine power? That divine power is the word of God. It's the Holy Spirit. And if you look at the armor of God, Ephesians 6, and we don't have time to go through all of it, but out of all those weapons, there's only one offensive weapon and that is the word of God. In fact, when the enemy was tempting Jesus in his 40 days in the desert, every lie the enemy gave to Jesus, what did Jesus first say? It is written. 
If Jesus found it valuable for himself to know the Bible, it's going to we'll leave that right there. <laughs> How much more should we not just know, but value, embrace, use the word of God in every part of our lives? I just want to encourage us that the lies of the enemy don't have to just stay in our lives. They actually can be removed by the truth of God's word. For every disappointment in your life, there's a declaration in God's word. For every problem that you're facing right now, there is a yes and amen promise that God wants to put in your heart. And for every circumstance that you're facing right now, there's a loving God who's there cheering you on, that wants to walk with you. And so our thoughts, we don't have to be slaves to our thoughts. We can actually make our thoughts be slaves to the lordship of Jesus, and it's through his divine power. We don't wage war as the world does. Now, we're a church of next steps. So what we love to say here, man, like, great, we're inspired, we're, we're pumped for Sunday, but how does this work on Monday? When I go to my job, when I go back to my family, like, oh, how do I do this? I'm so glad you asked. So Romans chapter 12. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he's done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind that God will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. We have to get this part right if we're going to allow God to change our thoughts. Because if we're giving our bodies to God, our minds, our emotions, all these things, because we're trying to earn it, our walk with him is going to be exhausting. It's going to feel, oh, gosh, okay, I, gotta, I can't think this way. I can't feel this way. I, I can't do this. I can't do that. We're not doing these things because we have to. We're doing these things because all he has done for you, for me. It's really the gospel. And, and we have to get this if we're going to move forward. Is that we're not working for freedom. We're not working for, I hope I can, I can be free one day. God's given you freedom in Jesus. But we're now working it out. Every step, every thought, every emotion, every decision, every single day is an opportunity for us to walk closer with Jesus, to move closer to him. So we have to get this part right. So if you're taking notes, the first thing is if you want to change your thoughts, is we just need to invite Jesus. It's so obvious, but yet it can be so hard, right? When our thoughts are racing and it's like, I'm trying to figure this out, I'm stressed out. It's like, pause, invite Jesus. Lord, I'm just going to worship you right now. I, I know life is chaotic, life is hard right now, but Lord, you're worthy of my praise. And just invite him in. Like, Lord, come into my mind. Lord, I know you're here, but I'm going to invite you in because I need you right now. Invite him into your week, this week. So invite Jesus. Romans 12, uh, 2 says this as we keep going. And so, dear brothers and sisters, oh, keep going, I'm sorry. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. So we're inviting Jesus in, but this next part is, man, there, there, there are thoughts, there's things about us that, man, he saved us from, but, man, he's renewing at the same time. And so what the world, what God is saying is that with the world, there is a pattern. There's a behavior. There's a way that the world wants you to go by, that, man, if you just live life, oh, take it by day by day, see what happens. No, because the natural current is, it's going to take you in ungodliness. So what God is saying is, 
don't copy. Don't let success, don't let intimacy, don't let your life be defined by anything other than God's way. Don't follow that. And that's going to be so that's gonna be so key because of how we think about that, it's really going to determine how we walk that out. Now, it's really interesting how God has wired our brains. So many studies have shown now that how we think mentally, it actually affects how we are physically and emotionally. So there's studies that have been showing that, man, the way that we think, positive thoughts or negative thoughts, it actually can impact our physical health. It's, it's amazing. And there's this thing called neuroscience where it actually shows us that our brains, we used to believe that our brains were hardwired, that they, that they were unpliable, that we couldn't actually fix them. But now through neuroscience and neuroplasticity, we're learning that every positive and negative thought matters, meaning that we can actually rewire our brains, that we don't have to be bound to our thoughts any longer. We never, we never had to be, but science is actually confirming God's word that we're not a slave to our thoughts. Now, let me give you a picture so it makes a little more sense. So this picture right here is a worn, clear, defined pathway. Science would tell us is that that is a strong pathway in your brain. That is a thought and a belief that has been thought, acted on, believed upon. It is a clear pathway. And the clearer the pathway is, the more it's going to click in our brains and we're just going to go and do it. A lot of times we're not really making real-time decisions. We're just going. But this right here is a pathway that is not even really a pathway. It's not defined. It's very weak. There hasn't been a lot of uh, push in this area. And this is what happens in our brains when we're trying to develop a new pathway. You ever, you know, you come away from a church service. Okay, I'm pumped up. I'm going to pray. I'm going to read my Bible. The money happens. Oh, gosh, like, I don't know if I can do this. I'm just so tired, and work is so busy, and it's like when I pray, it's like God doesn't even really talk back to me. And so it's like, those are thoughts. Those are beliefs. And what can happen is, because those beliefs have been used so many times, it actually creates a pathway in our brain. And so our thoughts are lazy. They will always take the path of least resistance. And so if it's like, oh, I'm struggling. No, that's good. That's not encouraging me. No, no, you want to struggle in the right direction. Because studies have shown us that the more and more that you practice when you think and you put in direction a thought, that pathway gets stronger and more defined. And the flip side, the more that you counteract and not think that negative thought, but you fill with a positive thought, this gets less and less defined and it actually leaves your brain. Like, well, I didn't come here for science. Okay. Science says it's rewiring your brain, but it's, it just confirms God word, God's word. God's word says that, man, God wants to renew your mind. We should be praising God that he's given our brains the ability to actually rewire it itself. And so what I'm not saying is just think harder, think as hard as you can positively. No, it's the grace of God. God's going to rewire your brain, but all I'm saying is let's be in partnership with God. He has the power to do it, but let's offer our minds, our bodies, and let him do it. And so how does this work? Back to Romans 12, too. But let God transform you into a new person by changing the way that you think. So when you have these thoughts, God, I'm just, I'm just worthless. I'm not worthy of love. I don't know. You know, maybe, maybe after a Sunday service, someone comes up to you. Hey, 
Like, have you ever been to a small group? Like, go to a small group. Oh, okay, sure. You know, it's like, you're saying yes because it's, like, really awkward. Okay, I'll go. Not that it's ever happened here. And then you, you start driving home. It's like, why did they invite me? Like, do they know who I am? I'm, like, the worst person in the world. Like, why would anyone invite me to a small group? So your whole time you're struggling with that. But here's, but here's what happens. You insert truth. You insert God's word. You start declaring it out loud. So it's resistance, but you're forming a new pathway. So that's what I want to encourage us. Man, don't be scared of the struggle. Don't be scared of the resistance. God works in the resistance. He works in the struggle. He's okay with the messy middle because he knows where he's taking you. And let me give you some real-life examples. A lot of you guys know this story, but 2018 was probably, man, it's every time. Um, probably like one of the hardest years of our, of our lives. And um, a lot of you guys know this story. Uh, we lost our second daughter, Ezra. Um, and we knew three, four months in that when she was going to be born, she wasn't going to, there's like 99% chance that she wasn't going to live. And don't get me wrong, God worked in so many ways. Like there were so many miracles that happened. God touched so many people. But it didn't take away the pain, obviously, you know, you know from, from that. And um, Lauren had never struggled with panic attacks. And after that, she had um, so many in a short period of time. Started dealing with anxiety. It's like, what is, what is happening? And thoughts started coming into her head like, I can't leave my house. I can't take, my, I can't take care of my daughter. I can't. I, all these, I can't. I won't. And what happened was because of that trauma, there was a rewiring, a new pathway was formed. And so we were like, no, we're not going to accept this. Like, we're going to use God's truth. We're going to walk in the grace of God. And so every day, Lord, I can do this, not because I can do this, but because you can do this. God, you're using this not for, for, for to hurt me, but to bring the best out of me. The more and more that she practiced it, the more and more that new pathway was formed Again, not perfection, but progress. And because we're a real church, I'm, I'm going to give you one more example. How are we on time? We're good. Okay. Um, a lot of you guys know this story, and I know it can be a little uncomfortable, but I'm okay with that because I know it's going to help some people. Is Man, I dealt with pornography for a lo- large portion of my life. And, and just to set you free, this isn't a guy problem. It's a human problem. And um, the more and more as we get closer to when Jesus comes, this is just acceptable, right? And again, it's not, it's not meant to shame anybody, but we're living in a time where, gosh, the enemy wants to pervert. He wants to take lies. Like, you need this. I'm like, no, no, you don't. And so I remember I was, uh, gosh, I was like 19 or 20, some, somewhere in there, 2021, 20, and I was serving, and I just felt horrible about it, horrible. Like, I'd be sick to my stomach. And I remember this one time, I, and I was praying, I was reading my Bible, I was serving. It's like, it wasn't like I didn't love Jesus, but I, I didn't realize that this stuff actually had rewired my brain. That there was a pathway that was happening that I needed this. And I remember this one, this one day, and maybe you've prayed this prayer before too. God, if you forgive me, I'll never do this again. That's a horrible prayer. Because he's already, he's already forgiven me of everything, so don't worry about that. But where's your heart? And I remember I, I said, God, if you forgive me of this, I'll, I'll never do it again. And then it happened again. And I literally, I felt so sick in my stomach. I just, I was going to vomit. I just was like, I am, I, I'm just a horrible person. 
I remember I felt this way, and God spoke to me. He's like, Chris, you're not tired of this. I'm like, oh, God, okay, that's a little insensitive, God. You know, <laughs> like I'm crying. I feel horrible. I'm like, you should read the Bible, you know, like it's feel horrible. And I remember I said, Chris, no, no, you don't understand. You're tired of not believing that you can actually overcome this. You're tired of believing that I actually, that I can actually overcome this. That's what you're really tired of. And know what I realized in that moment? That I always had a vision. I had, a, I had vision, all right, but my vision was I'm going to be stuck forever. That was a thought. That was a belief. That was a pathway. So God was saying, Chris, I need you to have a vision that you can overcome. I need you to have a vision that I'm going to use your life more than what you can ask or imagine. And your life's not just going to be... Uh, what you think it is, it's going to be a testimony to so many people. I need you to believe that. It wasn't like this silver bullet, like, okay, I'm good. But from that moment forward, I had direction, I had purpose, and God put me on that pathway. Now, I love this, because when the Lord says, I'm going to change the way you think, that it literally means renew, and you could even say that means pathway. God wants to create a new pathway in your brain. How does he do that? You invite Jesus. You ask him, Lord, what's a lie? What's a thought? What, what are, what's something that what, it keeps reoccurring that I just default to? Do you know what meditation is? Meditation is just where, is where your mind defaults to. So when you're weak, what does your mind default to that one thought? Don't try to change all your thoughts. You're going to be stressed out. Say, God, what's that one thought? What's that one lie? And here's, our, here's what I want us all to do. I want us to declare the truth and walk it out. Declare the truth and walk it out. Um, Philippians 4 says a great. So where Paul says this. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, lovely, admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Think about it. And can I say, don't just think about it, but declare it. Say it out loud. There's a power when we speak God's word, power happens. Not because we're powerful, but check this out. Um, Genesis 1-3 tells us that God spoke the world into existence. So when we speak God's word, new things are forming. Proverbs tells us that the, um, the tongue has a power of life and death. So when we speak the word of life, life happens. When you're feeling so stressed out, I can't do this. No. He's given me everything I need for life and for godliness. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. God has given me not a spirit of, of, of timidity and fear, but of life, power, and a sound mind. And so we don't have to succumb to these negative thoughts. Declare it. It's going to feel a little awkward, like, especially for us introverts. You can do it. Yes, Lord. Come on. Declare it. Be confident in it because God's doing something. And then I want us to walk. I keep going. Please. I'm like, was that, was that a little too rough? <laughs> Whatever you've seen, they're like, I ain't pressing that button. Whatever you've seen or, or uh, received from me, put it into practice. And the God of peace will be with you. It's not that, man, when I think the right thoughts, I believe the right things, oh, now God's with me. It's that you realize he always was there. When we allow, when we allow God to align our thoughts, our beliefs, our emotions, our will, our decisions to his truth, he's been there the whole time. He's right there with you. And so 
I want us to declare the truth. I want us to walk it out. When you're feeling lonely, I can't do this. I want you to quote Joshua 1.5, that never will he leave me, never will he forsake me. And then I want you to call a friend. And then I want you to go to church on Sunday, even when you don't want to. Then I want you to go to your small group when you think you're too busy. Why? Because you're forming a new pathway in your brain. And God is renewing your spirit. So when you I just can't do this. No. Change the loop. Change the loop. Win and on the inside. So what are we going to do? Our lives will always hit the lid of our thoughts. But we're not. We are not tied. We're not slaves to our thoughts. God's given us divine power to bring down strongholds. And how is he going to do that? We're going to invite him in. We're going to identify the lie. And we're going to declare the truth moment by moment, day by day, event by event. Declare the truth and we're going to walk it out. And we're just going to see what God's going to do.